0: Firemaster, according to lilies of David. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore? O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let those who hope in you be put to shame through me. O Lord God of hosts, let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me. O God of Israel, for it is for it is for you, your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for zeal for your house has consumed me, and reproach of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am, ta- I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for my prayer, but as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love. Answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul, redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforts, for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food. And for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. Let their own table be before them. Before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see, and make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be desolation. Let not one dwell in their tents, for they persecute him who you have struck down, and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. Add to them punishment upon punishment. May they have no acquittal from you. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, Set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with its horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own who are prisoners. But the heaven and earth praise him, and the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the city of Judah. And people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants shall inherit it. And those who love His name shall dwell in it.
1: Amen. Thank you, Robin. So let's praise the Lord in song. Family Sunday, as we go, we'll go through our catechism uh, review of the month. Uh, so let's start with catechism, catechism question number forty-eight. What is the church? And we'll say our short answer and response together. God chooses and preserves for himself a community elected to eternal life and united by faith, who love, follow, learn from, and worship God together. And so here we are. As we think over the last month, remember the church is the building, the body, and the b- bride of Christ. We're going to turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 16. And let's say this together. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers... Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So for the last month, Paul Morgan has taken us on a hike, on a journey up the hill. And in that journey, he's given us different perspectives uh, from the ground, from halfway up and from the top of the mountain. And with those perspectives, we're learning how we view our church, how the world may view our church, but more importantly, how Christ views His church. We've been reminded that whenever we search for answers, whenever we seek God, whenever we are troubled and need solace, whenever we lack wisdom and recognize the need for it, whenever we want discernment, that is to see the truth, to have the clarity to see the difference between what is of God and what is not of God. We must look for it through the lens of Scripture and the Holy Spirit working with us. All other sources of information that we may use to try to see who we, the church, are. The peer groups, the schools, the news, social media, the internet, even our own feelings, our own biases. Those all fall short of helping us see who we truly are. While they may inform us in some ways, they are not. The source of wisdom, solace, discernment, joy, confidence, peace, mercy, grace, honor, sacrifice, confession, freedom. Our true identity can only be found in scripture. Living it out, understanding it. Being together as a church and community can only happen with the Holy Spirit in us. Confessing Christ as Savior, receiving the Holy Spirit in us, joins us to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and we are called His own. Our names are written in the book of life. In Christ, we grow and learn together, we suffer together, we bear each other's burdens. In this body of Christ, joy is found in sorrow, forgiveness, triumphs over sin. Mercy wins over judgment. Healing wins over pain. And death has no sting. We've been reminded that the church, we are not a human institution. We are God's idea. We are God's plan. And it has been this way from the beginning of time, before we were formed. All of this should drive us to be thankful and worshipful, together as one body, each part working together as a whole, appreciating the gifts of others as we share our own gifts, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in His truth. We thank God and worship him alone because of what he has done, is doing, and will do. As we share our time together, as we spend our time together, and we use our gifts to help people, for helping hands, for care for barbecues, for events, for supporting other ministries. As we come together and do these things, we don't do them to show off our gifts, we do them to please God. We do them to serve each other to please God. That's part of our worship. The worship isn't just the singing. Our worship is how we live our lives. Thankful for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And again from 2 Thessalonians, but we ought always to give thanks to, To God for you, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you. So here we are chosen. Are we living a chosen life? Do we recognize it? Do we go to scripture? Encourage us to go to scripture and learn who we are. Every day we can learn more about who we are in God's eyes, in God's plan, in his church. Let's go to Ephesians two eighteen to 22 For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We've been taught that, like a building, we are fitted together like stones. A living structure growing into His holy temple. But do we remember this cornerstone? You remember, Paul had the cornerstone laid out, the blocks. Here, up uh, up here, and some were piled up, and some were kind of stacked, and some some were stacked well. And the cornerstone. I think sometimes we fall into the trap of looking at the stones. The cornerstone. The perfect stone from which in all directions, side by side, front to back, bottom to top, we are aligned. Christ as the cornerstone is the one true leveler, the one source of truth, the Savior the church is built upon. The apostles and the prophets as revealed through scripture are the continuing plumb lines side by side and upward as the walls are built, as we stones are being fitted together. If we look to the left and right today, more likely than not, we're pretty happy with and along pretty well with the stones next to us. We have evidence of this. We have evidence of stones that have held us up in the past. We feel the strength we have shared holding up the stones above us. We have the brotherhood and sisterhood of the saints side by side, worshiping and serving one another. But God's idea, his church, his chosen, is bigger than then you can go Baptist, bigger than Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist or whatever denomination we grew up in or chose or have a preference for. You know, the humanism, the individualization of humanism creeping into the church has brought us to a place where in the American church, I'm not necessarily saying here, in the American church, I think many have fallen into the trap of looking for a church that suits their own image, that has the right worship music, that has the right traditions, that has the right political affiliations, that has the right race, that has the right personal identity. I'm not saying we do this. I'm saying I see this in the church in America today. Dividing along lines that have nothing to do with the cornerstone and everything to do with how I look at the stone next to me. We take our eyes off the cornerstone. We immediately find ways to complain about the stone next to us. What if I disagree with the politics of the stone next to me? I'm a Protestant Protestant stone. My God, I do not put a Catholic stone next to me. This is not allowed. Put him in the Catholic wall, but not here in the Protestant wall. What if the stone I'm called to hold up is struggling with personal identity? What if the stone next to me doesn't tuck his shirt in when he goes up to do worship? What if the stone next to me doesn't sing on key? What if the stone holding me starts to follow doctrines that are not supported by Scripture or chooses to ignore Scripture entirely? There's a difference between what our preferences are and being aware of the fact that we may be choosing our church or maybe who we fellowship with who are Christians outside of our church based on our personal view of how the church should be, based on what we think of the stones next to us and having nothing to do with the cornerstone. There's a difference between that and a stone next to us struggling with something so deep that they're weakening the wall. Certainly in the church, we are called to accountability. We are called to learn and grow and love and worship together. And so, when we go through our catechisms, as we have for almost a year now, we're learning, we're exploring, we're, we're finding where we fit in the wall, not by our stone next to us, but by the cornerstone. Always Christ first. Christ always. We cannot be so fixed fixated on the perceived deficiencies of other stones, nor can we be so blind to our own shortcomings that the issues of the stones are more important than the cornerstone. The cornerstone is our strength. He is our true north, our solid rock, and we are his church. We are not our own. We are his. That is a reason, the reason, to be joyful. That's a reason to take a look at the stones that are holding us up and be thankful. Look at the stones we're holding up and tell them, I gotcha. Look at the stones to the left and the right and to say, look at the cornerstone. If they stray, if they want to leave the wall, look at the cornerstone. Christ is who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing. The good news gospel of Christ trumps any other way to look at the stone next to you. And if we're looking at the stones next to us and we're discounting them or devaluing them, then we ourselves need to look at the cornerstone. Stop and look at the cornerstone. We are his. Let's go to Revelation 19, 6-9. So I'll read the first part, and then we're going to you're going to join me on the hallelujah part. And remember, it's a hallelujah part, not a hallelujah part. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord God, our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult. So we've been reminded this last month that we are a building and a bride. Any other guys here struggle with trying to figure out what it's like to be a bride? I struggle with it because our tradition was you don't see the bride until she walks down the aisle so that you can have your knees buckle and and have your best man hold you up, Right? So I don't know what it's like to be a bride. That sounds like there's a, there's a show called Bridezilla. Raise your hand. No, don't. I have no idea, really, except for what I learned from Scripture. Paul, last week, shared uh, how blessed the bride was, the preparation. To be seen from the moment of betrothal, after the parents have agreed, as precious, and worthy. doesn't matter if you're a guy or a gal. You can understand that. Precious and worthy. You, we can understand to be made white as snow by the very sacrifice of the cross. By any and all other measures, we fall short of the glory of God. And only through Christ can we see our true worth as his bride. Only through him can we see the true worth in each other. The stone next to us in the rest of the bridegroom and the bride's party and all those who are invited to the marriage celebration, only through Christ can we see their true value. We are his church, not our own. We are his bride, not our own. So Paul's wonderful picture of the Hebrew wedding ceremonies in Jesus' day reflected the anticipation of the coming day. And how that anticipation was sustained and built up over time. And how during that time, preparations were made by the bride and the groom and their families. Joy building over time. Dedication building over time. A new life being made ready. And so we as the bride must be in preparation for his coming. We must be dedicated to that day because he has made us worthy live in anticipation live with the purpose of preparing for that day this is our encouragement our encouragement is the bride as it's coming we will be with him joy building over time. We should be a joyful people, a thankful people, a worshipful people. And I think we are. I think we need to look to see where we can be joyful with others, where we can find ways to help the stones next to us, where we can encourage the rest of the bridal party to be ready, where we can look at each other's gifts and remind ourselves, hey, you've got a gift. You're worthy. Let's Let's go join Helping Hands. Let's go help. Let's go do. Let's go be. Let's go say. And see how the Lord moves our hands and feet as his church. Mary, will you pray for us, please, as we go into communion?
2: Our dear Father, we are so grateful again to be here, even in talking in anticipation of thinking how I anticipate each Sunday of being together with your bride, with other parts of the body, with other living stones, that you keep us straight, You keep us right. You keep us useful. You keep us used. Father God, I thank you for the blessedness of your word. When we forget who we are, when we forget who you are, and our eyes begin to look around us, and we get misinformation, and then the discernment that comes through your Holy Spirit within us, and your word written, where we can see it, we can touch it, We can hear your voice proclaimed thousands of years ago, still proclaiming today in new ways. I thank you that you communicate with us, that you speak to each of us individually as you indwell us. And we thank you for just the fact that as we have these illustrations which you have given that are so profound that form who we are and and let us know how you see us, beyond how our own eyes, which either elevate ourselves or we demean your creation of us, that you help us to see as you see in a small way, and you give us hope. I thank you, God, in this weekend as we celebrate our citizenship and our country that you placed us in. You, by your design, put us right here with our feet on this piece of land. And you have so blessed us that we easily can come to you with other parts of your body, with the other parts of your bride that comes together as one. And we thank you for that gift. But I thank you more, Father, even as you reminded me yesterday and today, that our citizenship in reality is in heaven. It's with you. We are the citizens of your self, of the home that you are preparing, have prepared for us, of the place where we shall be forever to serve our King. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Your goodness to us is overflowing. And when we cease to feel that way, remind us, I pray, by your Holy Spirit to look at the truth recorded in your word that we cannot deny. And therefore, we can have peace in troubled times. We can have joy in times of uncertainty. And help us to encourage one another to see reality, not the day-by-day blips that go by, but the reality of yourself and the hope, the peace, the joy, the anticipation that we just can't wait to see you face-to-face. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name.
1: Thank you, Mary. Until that day, as we prepare, as we anticipate, as we are fitted together to become his holy temple, and as we are being sanctified together, we are taught to share the Lord's Supper remembrance of him. We remember his words and his teaching, and specifically his sacrifice, his death and his resurrection. As we play through two hymns, Near to the Heart of God and He leadeth Me, you are invited to the tables up front, Dan and and Daryl, if you could come help serve to share the Lord's Supper as he instructed, and I'll read from Mark 14:22. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new. In the kingdom. And so you are invited to the table. God bless you all. Go in peace.